Hey, I'm Sunny Megatron from American Sex, a podcast about life, liberty, and the pursuit of f- Ooh, that's kind of a trashy first impression, isn't it? I'm so sorry. Okay. <clears throat> On American Sex, Ken Melvoinberg and I explore our guests' deepest, darkest sexual secrets, hang-ups, fantasies, and victories. Each episode reminds us that in this fine country of ours, no matter our differences, we all want and deserve the same thing. Freedom and happiness and f- find American Sex on iTunes, Stitcher, and most podcast services, or at americansexpodcast.com. Welcome back to Heaving Bosoms, the podcast where two best friends stay connected via their love of romance novels, giggling snarking and making fun of themselves and each other this week we've got susan elizabeth phillips match me if you can so let's get right into it hi hello do you have to have the hood up? It just looks so ridiculous. I honestly think I do. Do not wave at me with your moose antlers. Do not. <laughs> oh, guys. It's I the just day saw after, a real moose. Day after Sorry. Thanksgiving, which means <laughs> that the reindeer onesie has made its debut. And I will have you know, I'm so excited because it still fits this, this it's the traveling pants of, of I onesies. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. It fits my robust pregnant belly. <laughs> so, I mean, congratulations! You'll always be able to wear it, no matter what. Thank you. The any occasion reindeer onesie. This is really, really a feat uh, of excellence. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. I'm cozy. I decided to treat myself this early morning because also. Happy middle of the night to you, Erin. Sup, girl? It's 12.56 a.m. That's right. That's right. Uh, Which means it's 4.56 my time. And I decided that this morning, not only do I have two thermoses of mostly decaf coffee, Uh but I also heated up my aromatherapy booties. Mm. And so I've got some herbses. Coming up, wafting up from underneath my basement desk, and the, the soles of my feet are all warm and snuggly. Wait, so like a half an hour ago when I texted you, I can <laughs> I can go whatever. Was mm. the twenty minutes that you said that you needed to get your mm. shit together, mm. heating up your herb slippers? That was only three of those minutes. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, I swear, I swear. Well, I, I will say I was also I was multitasking. I was making uh-huh. coffee as well I, as I herb slippers. I don't care. We're early. Okay. But so yesterday we recorded early our Christmas yeah. episode just in case Melody's baby comes out. And right. I chastised Melody for not wearing her reindeer onesie because it was technically after Thanksgiving. Yeah. And she wasn't in the reindeer onesie. Mm-hmm. So just so you guys know, when you're listening to the Christmas episode, that conversation happened before this conversation. <laughs> it did. In case you're worried and wondering, wait a minute, she was wearing the reindeer onesie a month ago. I heard it on the podcast. That's what's going on, guys. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, and really, I'm a person who delivers. You know what I mean? (laughs) You are. That is something 
That is something that can be said about Melody Carlisle. That's she right. Delivers. <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh man i had a rough day did you tell, I tell me you? why tell me of everything uh, rooster and i were in the dog er all day together the it dog was, er yeah oh my god melody did she try to chew something with her three teeth no oh, she no. tried she yesterday did she get morning, too excited about her kanye deal <laughs> she got too excited about <laughs> oh god i haven't even thought about how this might impact the kanye <laughs> contract that she has <laughs> guys she finally landed a contract with kanye west well they maga together yeah if this falls through i don't know how she's gonna how she's gonna deal with it mm. but no she tried to go up the stairs she couldn't go up the stairs this morning and oh, then no. she couldn't hop up on her hind legs and she was <gasps> in some kind of hind leg hip pain oh. and we thought it was like a back thing and she couldn't wag her tail and we went to the vet and we waited for like two three hours or whatever and guess what what guess what they said is wrong with her does she have hip dysplasia is she actually a german shepherd no what she's just getting old oh no <laughs> oh no i i sobbed i don't blame like, you she's just an old dachshund <gasps> and their backs go and that's that's just how it is that's like, okay oh no i'm gonna oh, fashion no. her a cart that's what i said to david i'm like if she needs surgery spare no expense we that's will right. do the surgery and he's like that's not what's happening <laughs> yeah it's like david you're being very emotional right yeah, now Aaron. I'm like, i don't need a wedding what i need is rooster and he's like that's not how we're gonna play this <laughs> that's right <laughs> oh it upset me so much but then they sent her home with some muscle relaxers Ooh, and some uh, steroids and she was sleeping with me in the chair just now her last three hours or so while i was reading this uh sep uh epic Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden she jumped down off the stairs or off the stairs, off the chair and did a down dog. And then oh. she did an up dog. Oh, and then I heard a pop. Oh, she popped. Uh-huh. And I was like, ooh, yeah, that could go either way. <laughs> yeah. And then she did some twisties on her back. Ooh. And then she stretched out those hind legs. Get it, girl. Far, shook. Oh, yeah. The shaking. Out. <laughs> and then she ran down the stairs and ran <gasps> up the stairs. And she was right as rain. Oh. Those muscle relaxers fixed her right up. My little sprightly angel. Oh, Melody, she's getting old. I know. But here's the <sighs> thing. I think the plan of action is we fashion her a cart. And then we can also fashion a pulley system throughout your house. I'll just carry her wherever she needs to go. This is one (laughs) of the things I said to David when I was crying today. I was just like, I will carry her wherever she wants to be. (laughs) I will be her person. It's okay, Rooster. I will be her human chariot. Oh, man. Anyway, so that was my day. Oh, Aaron. It's okay. It's okay. It's all right. There was a pop and then she ran everywhere. We're fine. And she was okay. She just needs some muscle relaxers and she'll yeah. be fine. <laughs> really, I think that can only help her mood oh my and God, her just overall verbal me. abuse. You don't think she was faking so that she could get some good drugs from the vet, <gasps> do you? I mean... Oh, no. That is like... That is classic rooster. It is. That is really on brand. Yeah. All right, I'm going to chalk it up to that. That's what it was. Okay, good. (laughs) All right. All right. Are you ready to talk about this thing? I am ready to talk about it. We read Match Me If You Can by Susan Elizabeth Phillips. 
Um, I need to do a disclaimer corner. Oh, no. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> okay, here we I are. I just need to put my biases out in the front because uh, I want... Well, I don't know if they're biases or points of view or whatever, but I always like to <laughs> Do you think put... there's anyone listening right now who is <laughs> unclear on your points of view? Erin, we get new listeners every day. <laughs> that is true. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. When I thoroughly, thoroughly hate a text, (laughs) I like to not only tell you where I'm coming from, Mm -hmm. from the outset, so that you can be like, eh, that doesn't bother me, so Mm -hmm. I'll probably like this book, or that super bothers me, and I'm going to stay away from this book, you know, that whole thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I also like to try and find any glimmer of a redeeming quality in a text I hate. Mm -hmm. There are those in this book. So I will just say that out loud. Okay. There are redeeming qualities and we'll get to them, I'm sure, throughout the podcast. (laughs) However, here's here's the thing. Uh I'm a little sad because this is actually, uh, I also have to out myself. This is my first Susan Elizabeth Phillips book, which seems- Mine too. And it seems like something that is almost unbelievable to a lot of people, which I understand because she's like an institution. She's, you know, prolific. She's amazing. But like how many romance authors can you say that about? It's like, gosh, there's so much ground to cover. Anyway, keep going. Okay. So this is my first Susan Elizabeth Phillips book. It has Mm -hmm. not turned me off to the author because the writing was very good. Uh, You know, the writing was good. She she turned me around on some things. I made a face and that's why Melody is trying to backpedal now. (laughs) But that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. It was also published, according to my Kindle, in 2005. I don't know if that's like a republished date or something like that, because it reads even earlier than 2005. It, it, reads, it reads earlier to me. It reads CJ's score time period to me. Yeah, like like late 90s, like 2001-ish. That's how it reads to me. So it could have been written at that point and then finally published sure. in 2005. Sure, sure, sure. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but here, here are the, here are the things that you might. Are we not to the disclaimer yet? We're, Jesus. Getting, we're in the middle of the fucking disclaimer, <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, I'm madam. Okay. <laughs> you might want to skip this book if you All think right. that trans people are people and not punchlines. If you have any kind of history with disordered eating. Yeah. If the phrase locker room talk or locker room comment uh, uh. after the past two years like makes you twitch mm-hmm. and overall if you kind of hate portrayals of terribly phallic centric stereotypically heterosexual sex just skip it because there will be no redeeming qualities in this book mm-hmm. for you romantically okay okay and if you like heroes that overall think that women are also people and not accessories <laughs> right those are the things yeah that you might want to look out for is all uh-huh. i'm saying okay yeah see i have a disclaimer as well Ooh. no because because of like rooster situation and some other situations this week i've only read half this book so we're doing yes. part one i have not read part two so there's a part of me that is reserving for like we have a terrible hero, but maybe he will change. And it's sounding to me like that is not a justified. No, you know what I mean? No, no, like, no. Well, and, and that's the other disclaimer. This was probably a bad book to start with for me because honestly, after chapter two, 
when he's going through the contract and references the art of the deal, <laughs> all I could picture was Donnie Jr.'s weak chin in a MAGA hat and a, a $6,000 yet still somehow ill-fitting suit. And uh-huh. that's, I, I couldn't, I couldn't see past it. And so there, there, there is growth on the page. Right. Okay. I just can't believe it. I can't believe oh, it. Okay. Okay. I can't All do right. it. So there is, there is growth in the arc of the writing that is told to me. I couldn't put it in my bones. Couldn't do it. <laughs> I also think I may have been less offended than you by this book, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I wasn't. I think like, it's possible. I was I wasn't less offended. offended. Ever. I was just fucking annoyed. That's all. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I think I'm just a little less angry than you. Maybe like Maybe. a little bit less. But Maybe. we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. I I hate hate read this book. I did. I did too. But I think I think we might have like different reasons because like I don't know. We'll we'll figure it, it out. We're <laughs> we're doing I'm excited. it. All right, guys. Match me if you can. S E P. Chapter one. All right. So we've got Annabelle Granger. She is a redhead with unruly curls that she can't, she just can't find a flaxseed gel. Yeah. Can't find a product that works for her. I'm sure she's still shampooing with like the worst shampoo in the whole wide world. But we're not going to talk about her hair. We are going to talk about. (laughs) The book talks about her hair a lot. Constantly. Yeah. She has taken over her grandmother's matchmaking business. It used to be Marriages by Myrna. Which is a much better name, I think. <laughs> it's a good name. I like Marriages by Myrna as a name. Myrna is really savvy because her yeah. set was like going after the the geriatric population. And I think that's smart. So perfect. For Don't her go after the yeah. super rich multi-bazillionaires. Yeah. If you have Do what no- you know. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, whatever. But she's not. But anyway, what Annabelle's done is she's revamped Marriages by Myrna. She's renamed it Perfect for You, which is a stupid business name. <laughs> and she's like painted the walls and now she's going after the high rollers. Yeah, she's meant to be like a quirky mess. Yeah, but she is she is too much of a quirky mess for me, Aaron. I cannot <laughs> deal with her whole thing. Yeah, no, you know what? Here's yeah. the here's the thing. Usually I see a manic pixie dream girl and I'm like, want to be her if only no, I could be quirky in I that see way. I a manic pixie dream girl <laughs> and I, my whole body, if, if there is anyone whose personality is like described as quirky, it makes my whole body just want to go. Yeah, fair. I don't know. I think because when I was growing up, I conflated quirky with unique. And mm-hmm. I I really prized that. But the more I grow up, the more I'm like, just get your shit. Just set an alarm. Just get your shit together. Just get your shit yeah. together. And it's yeah. not it's not like cute anymore. You're an adult. Ugh. Yeah. So she she's like going to the the most well, wait, important. Wait, wait. My yeah. issue is that she's not a quirky mess. She mostly just needs to set boundaries. That. But she's also she's also a mess. Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> She's both things. Yeah. This is the most important day of her career. Yeah. Okay. She finally has a meeting with the Heath 
Champion. Heath Champion, the Python. Oh, may I say that the first line of this book is her talking about the name of her car, which never comes back. She's like, (laughs) oh, Uh I'm trying to get Sherman going, which is the name of my car. And that a lot of people talked about the the sexism and uh, the homophobia and the transphobia and whatever in this book, making them want to throw their Kindle across the room. Yeah. Line one. No, she I names know. her car. I was like, God, rich, rich, we've got another one. Uh, God, I hate it. Um, okay. And that, you know, that is sort of like a characteristic of quote unquote quirky heroines in romance novels is that often they name their cars. Yeah. Which is also I just, something I have done. But I, I know. You know. Here's the thing. Melody Carlisle on paper, I find to be unbelievable and very frustrating. I love you in real life. <laughs> but if you were written down as a romance heroine, I'd be like, oh, God, this chick. <laughs> and I'm sure you'd feel the same about me. Probably. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> but Okay. So she's. this is the most important day. She's decided to wear a buttercup yellow oh my God. raw silk suit that she bought yesterday. 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 For- 60% off at a Fields Day sale uh-huh. with strappy sandals in a humid Chicago in Chicago summer. in summer. A raw silk suit what that the is fuck are buttercup with a, a red-haired, very pale complexion. Girl, and get yourself into a royal blue. Get yourself into a green. Yeah. This Get isn't yourself. about the cheapness of the suit. This isn't no. about bought it on sale, but this is about bought it on sale yesterday. Right. Get, go shopping before. Have some yeah. professional clothing in your closet for you yeah. starting your business in case a client comes along. Jesus yeah. Christ. And then you go shopping and you pick yellow raw silk uh-huh. suit. And then what does she pair it with handbag wise? I don't know. Tropical tote from Target. Oh my God. She's got that's all right. of these like sequin palm tree flamingo totes. Yeah. No, and, and she doesn't live like her parents live in Naples, Florida. Not yeah, her. Not her. Like she get yourself a structured oh, leather awful. bag. Uh, just like some, one just... that can go with anything. <sighs> never, never fabric and certainly not linen madam oh god what are you doing anyway so she goes out to sherman her car and there's a hilarious homeless man passed out underneath who's drunk (laughs) oh Oh, those homeless hilarity of the homeless pesky homeless man oh god and so she tries to lure him out well and meanwhile she's already late like it's not actually the homeless man's fault it isn't it isn't she's already you asshole yeah Mm -hmm. you should have left 45 minutes early so that you could get a cup of coffee and center yourself and do all the things that people Mm -hmm. do before the most important business meeting of your life Mm -hmm. yeah what are you doing Mm -hmm. also just a little product and a a headband (laughs) maybe just a headband yeah, she just does not have it together. Anyway, and- so she ha- she finally lures this homeless oh, man out with an open can of beer. The way this that is the apparently author the only way. That you, yeah, she kind of wakes this guy up. She tries oh. to drag him out by his ankles from under her car. First of all, well, whatever. But anyway, she tries to lure, like, get him out by being like, hey, you know, I'll give you 10 bucks or like, hey, you know, she even is like, I'll let you have sex with me or whatever. The way this author is like, ha ha ha, the homeless, am I right? Is that this character goes and gets an open bottle of beer and is like, here, smell this. And he's like, here, boy, here, boy. Beer? 
oh gosh i'm a homeless oh, drunk here. man i'll crawl out from under the car come for here. that god jesus anyway and also he never makes an appearance again this no. isn't like this isn't uh-uh. like a neighborhood guy uh-uh. that she ends no. up giving a sandwich to later like nothing no. He just never appears again. But and, mm-hmm. and yet she knows him by name. I, yeah, I don't know. He gets a funny little nickname. Oh, it's of course just... he does. So then the next thing we find out about Annabelle is yeah. this ahem. Oh, tell me everything. Let's see. She maneuvered Sherman from the alley to the street. She only had 21 minutes left to navigate the traffic into the loop and find a place to park. That line, she only had 20, and she lives in what, Wicker Park? Yeah. My whole- Full body shudder. Yeah. My whole chest clenched up. I was like, why did you do this to yourself, Annabelle? But anyway, okay, dirt streaked her legs, her shirt was crumpled, and she'd broken a fingernail when she'd opened the beer can. Ahem. The extra five pounds that had accumulated Uh on her small bone, she's literally, you guys, literally described- as bird boned. Uh-huh. The extra five pounds that had accumulated on her small bone frame since Nana's death no longer seemed like such a big problem. And then later on in that page, it says, at five feet, three inches, Annabelle had to sit on a cushion to see over the steering wheel. So we just have the teensiest. Oh, she's so tiny. Tiniest little bird bone girl that we've ever had in an early 2000s novel. Which really, those are the only women you can forgive. You know what I mean? Uh they're, They're the only women worth personhood. Frankly. And I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but there's a lot of weight stuff in this book. And she is contrasted with a woman who's always on a strict diet. And always Annabelle is eating a lot of things that you wouldn't eat if you were super duper skinny like Annabelle mm-hmm. is. She's eating Belgian waffles and pizzas and stuffing her face. And it's contracted with... Contracted. It's so late, you guys. Contrasted with this like harpy who's always on a diet. And it's like, it's just... It's so shitty because the thing is, Annabelle's character is also painfully super fucking thin with her small bones and her yeah. five foot three and her teensy weensy waist. But we we're making fun of the girl. I don't know. I'm just like this. no, no, no. She's the cool, approachable one. Yeah, she's because the she cool can one eat, who can eat well, whatever she wants, and she she's can still eat skinny, whatever she and wants, I hate it. not work out, and still be oh, the yeah. the female ideal. Ugh, they talk about how she doesn't work out all uh, all the time too, and it's just like just put yeah. a little meat on her bones. Then if you want this contrast, then don't. I don't know. And if you know us, you'll know that we're not saying you shouldn't eat pizza and no, blah, 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 and all the no, things. It's no. just like, and I, I also know that there are women who can, like, it's it's a natural sure. phenomenon. Yeah. You can do all these things. It's just uh-huh. like, I feel like these women are the dukes of Regency times. It's like, <laughs> there were only four dukes, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, I just and there's a level of like when you're reading this and you're a normal person who's not bird boned and if they want to be they have to really watch it. It just it yeah. feels like you're you should be ashamed of yourself if you can't yes. eat all the pizza in the world and you don't manage to be a teensy tiny little punk. Right. Right, right, right. It's like I hate it. I hate it. Yeah. Okay, so that's the other thing um I should tell you is that um I spent a lot of this book anxious. Because of this? Well, all the eating stuff was rough for me, yeah. honestly. And then um because it's it's from it's from so many angles. Uh-huh. So many angles this happens. The eating stuff was rough for everybody. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. I, so I felt it, was it that, too. 
it was the it was all of the family parental like i i don't believe in in having a conversation with your mother on a regular basis where like you end up almost crying i don't understand how she hasn't set boundaries with her family we'll get to that oh yeah i didn't i yeah i'm a little bit triggered by the uh by just a lot of these people come from a stance of like wealth as status uh-huh. and wealth as personal achievement. Like it, mm-hmm. it makes you a good person to be mm-hmm. wealthy. Yeah. You know, the the alt was talking about the Armani and the Prada and the Louboutins. Like I just don't give a shit. And honestly, it makes me a little anxious because I don't understand <laughs> people who are like that. Yeah. So I, I just also spent a lot of this book anxious. That's uh-huh. all. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All, All right. right. So okay, she's still driving going. Sherman yeah, she's the tank. Driving. She's trying I did to get like to the that. Loop. It is a Sherman tank. Oh, it's, God. Whatever. It's funny. Like, if you're going to choose a name for a boat. <laughs> okay. So she gets to the meeting and she's 10 minutes late. And yes. apparently he has only allotted 10 minutes for the meeting. And so she has missed the meeting. And she's right. like, well, I'm really only nine minutes late. And the secretary's like, that's not how this fucking works. Uh-huh. And so she barges in. She runs past her. She does all the, the brash things mm-hmm. that a business lady should do. Yeah. And except remember how she looks, guys. Yeah. <laughs> she looks she's like in a, a straight crazy person. It, the humidity has made her suit wrinkled <laughs> and rumpled because it's raw silk. Yeah. She accidentally smooched her own collar like at some yeah. point. She has lipstick yeah. from her on her on own her collar. collar. <laughs> like, oh man. Her curls have sprung free of some sort of quaff that she's attempted. <laughs> Yeah. And she's running into this place. Also, she's just washed out in in buttercream yellow. <laughs> and she had already <laughs> described her own complexion as creamy at this point. Yeah, where I was yeah. like, oh, <laughs> All right. So she runs yeah. into this office, the office of the Python. Oh, God. And, and also guy, that, that imagery can't, can't do it. <laughs> And I like pythons, but never in a sexual way. So she Ugh. gets in there with the python, and he his office is described as the color of money, oh my God. lacquered jade walls, thick moss carpet, and furniture upholstered in varying shades of green, accented with blood red pillows. Boy, does that say sophistication and rich to me. Honestly, like, if your dad only decorates in gold yeah you're (laughs) gonna decide that you have to decorate everything in money yeah i guess i was like oof that that is a rough office that is a tough Mm -hmm. look but yeah so he is the brother of the husband of her college friend or something like that what no he's a sports agent of her best friend's husband that's what i just said you said they were related. Oh, I thought he was like a, a, his brother or something. No, he's no. just his agent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that makes more sense. All right. So he's his agent. Anyway, so this so has been in set a previous up book. by her friend, Molly, who was a heroine in another book. Yes. Yeah. So he's just taken the meeting with her as the matchmaker to be to like appease the friend. His he's already like hired a high powered, regular, established matchmaking yeah. business to help him find a wife. So that's why he only had a 10 minute meeting with her because it was right. basically to say, yeah, I had a meeting with her. It didn't, I didn't want her. I, I had yeah, oh, gotcha, gotcha, power yeah. matches, which yeah, is power Porsche, matches. power matches, which is not a great name, but it's better than perfect for you. Well, especially when your last name is powers. Yeah. So she walks in and 
the assistant does the whole thing. She she ran past me and blah. And then they're talking and and she essentially convinces him by being like, "Do you remember what it's like to be the underdog? Do you remember what it's like to be on the outside <laughs> trying to establish yourself?" And he's no, like, "I cannot I imagine." Yeah. Can we talk about Heath for a minute? Oh, yeah, but if you use the term coiled again, I I will <laughs> I, I can't use it. I didn't use no, it. No, I know, but the book uses it so much and it makes me itch. Well, he, so he's, he's always coiled to strike <laughs> and it makes me think of, oh God, it just makes me think of a, a really, in, yeah, yeah, do there's you remember? a snake in me. Yeah. Do you remember Kundalini Day? Yes, I do remember Kundalini Day and I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, there was this day. I don't know. We, we were driving up? back from... A wedding. We were driving back from a wedding, so we're hungover oh AF. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> we were hungover AF. <laughs> and Melody just starts talking oh, about God. Kundalini yoga. And this was before, this was pre like everyone knows about Kundalini yoga. And this is pre me being a yoga teacher. And this is right the height of me making fun of Melody for her new age bullshit. And, and I was not actually talking about experience. I also had no frame of reference yeah, for Kundalini Yoga. We were just yoga. like reading on the internet or no, something. No, I was oh. retelling a drunken story that I what? heard at a conference. I had gone to this conference of <laughs> oh, sex educators. I remember now. I remember yes. now. And there was this lady who we were all a little bit tipsy, but like not bad. Uh-huh. And there was this lady who was trying to explain her kundalini i still don't understand what she was trying to explain because she was very literal mm-hmm. about the kundalini-ness mm-hmm. and so what she kept on saying was yeah my practitioner just tells me that there's a snake in me <laughs> and down and and your and the but kundalini it, chakra is like specific, at the pelvis well kind of but yeah, there's something there's specifically a snake coiled up in your pelvis and that you have to like awaken it and oh right man, and just she got was the, giggles the about movements this. that she was doing <laughs> while trying to tell us about the literal snake in her torso <sighs> was a lot and so i'm trying to relay all of this to them they're thinking that i am just trying to explain <laughs> kundalini yoga and we're also like melody <laughs> stop talking about your kundalini like we don't want to hear about it anymore like stop talking about that and, snake and it's i all just coiled kept up in your vagina and that you're trying to awaken i just kept on saying no no like, she would oh say there's God. a snake in me we're like yeah melody we heard you've got a snake in your vagina and you won't shut up about it. <laughs> she was just getting more and more frustrated oh it was incredible oh my god oh Anyway, so, sorry so about that's that what inside it, that's joke what it story. Makes me think is that he yeah, is this coiled snake just ready to strike right in your vaginal canal, <laughs> and I don't like it. <laughs> and then he's just gonna hang out there, and he's make he's gonna make you be really awkward at conferences. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I won't use the word coiled. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> what I was going to make fun of is that he's he's like the richest rich man ever. He's a very he's a fast talking sports agent and he's one of those with the office and the suits and everything. But he's also you guys, he's also like a muscly rough around the edges good old boy who grew up in Podunk, Illinois. Southern Illinois. And made it all the way to Harvard Law by, you know, whatever. So he's trailer trash from nowhere 
in Illinois. With a neglectful dad, an abusive dad. Um, and he talks about experiencing some sexual abuse at uh, 13 yes. with his dad's girlfriend. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. And the one thing that was good about this is that he actually identified it as sexual abuse. He did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he Which also identified it as women have found me sexy from a very oh. young age. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, but she, the author describes him as being a cross between uh, the, the rich color of his hair was a cross between a leather portfolio and a bottle of bud. And I think that in a nutshell. What? Yep. Ew. Would you like me to read the sentence? I his would. hair was thick and crisp. It's rich color across between a leather portfolio and a bottle of bud. So if that does it for you, oh, and like, boy. you know, he's got neat eyebrows, but they're cross sectioned by a thin, pale scar. It's like everything about him is like neat, but also shitty. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and some of the descriptions of uh, Trailer Park, Podunk, Illinois hit me right where it hurts. So maybe I yeah. should throw that out there as a disclaimer, because I yeah. was like, okay, all right, like, <laughs> let's let's back off, you know, right. I can make fun of where I'm from, but Susan Elizabeth Phillips can't. (laughs) But we learn about him. He's got the job. He's got the house. He's got the... And then the last thing he needs to really round out his... Not his life, but round out his image (laughs) is the perfect wife. Yeah. And it's like, it's very weird to me because I don't... Because he's very like... If I get a wife, then I'll never be that kid from shithole Illinois ever again. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not, I don't think kids growing up, actually, bing, boom, bong. Bing, I know bong. 100% for <laughs> sure that kids growing up in shithole Illinois don't dream of someday making it and finding a wife. We dream of someday making it and getting a dishwasher. Right. <laughs> that's not... <laughs> It's not marriage. Marriage is not on the list of like, I'll show them. I'll get me a wife. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'll show them. I'll get a robot to wash my dishes someday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) Well, and it's grosser even than that, because as he keeps talking about it throughout the chapters, he wants somebody who's going to just not have a a life or interests or career or anything because her whole thing is supposed to be surrounded by him. So she needs to be able to drop anything at the the drop of a hat and jump on a plane to go entertain a client's wife. Mm -hmm. Not not the client or anybody else, but like specifically the wife. Mm -hmm. She needs to have his bag packed. She needs to Mm -hmm. listen to his hard days. And she's got to be crazy smart. She's got to be so smart. She's got to be Ivy League educated and accomplished and sophisticated. But she needs to then give all of that up in order Mm -hmm. to cater to his schedule and his life and his wants and his needs and his penis. Yes. And... He. Uh, <laughs> Can I read you a line? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Brace yourself. I am. He uncoiled from his chair. I, yeah. he, was, he was tall, so it took a while. What does that mean? <laughs> I know. I saw that too. He uncoiled from his chair. He was tall, so it took a while. Like, how long? <laughs> Eons. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, and so this is when after after he shows his extreme height, she 
identifies him as a sexy man. Yes, she and does. And she's like, this unwanted feeling of animal masculinity and magnetism. Burr, mm-hmm. burr, burr. Yeah. So anyway, she does she her gets, whole impassioned speech. Yeah. And he's like, you've got 24 hours to find me the perfect woman. Right. Here's your test run. Yeah. So she leaves the meeting and in her car, she has a cell phone with caller ID and yet somehow is such a mess that she can't even look to see what the number is. Anytime anybody calls. This is a recurring theme. She cannot use her eyeballs on the device that her head is pointed towards. And her ringtone is the William Tell Overture. What the fuck is that? I have no idea. I uh, I meant to Google that and then I didn't. Oh, it's the one that's like dun da 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 dun boom da 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 thing. Isn't that it? I, I see. Hope it's just it, making just me more anxious. And someone out there is being like, "Wow, that is not it." Wow, I'm like, itching my whole scalp. <laughs> you really are. <laughs> like, who changes the ringtone to that? That's so weird. Yeah, and and especially <sighs> if you're going to have like a really really obnoxious ringtone like that, why wouldn't you use it to denote a number you don't <laughs> want to answer? Right, like your mother. Like so your she really, really awful mother. From her mom God. that just underscores her siblings are... Basically, you guys, her siblings are super duper successful. They know Johnny Depp. They're surgeons. Surgeons and an accountant. They're yeah. very much also of the ilk of like money equals worth. And mm-hmm. so like in one email, her brother's like, God, Spud, by your age, I was making $250,000 a year. You should really like who talks like that? <laughs> no one. No one. Certainly no one I want right. to know. Right. And, and so, so her mom wants her to go be an accountant. And she's like, no, I'm going to be a matchmaker. Her mom has sent her these grad school applications, which like also mo- set some fucking boundaries. Mm-hmm. And And here's another thing. You asshole. Maybe if you want to extricate yourself from your toxic family, don't pay rent to your awful mother if yeah. you don't want her to have ties to you. Like the whole she's point. she's living in her Ugh. grandmother's house right now. Right. And so she's like, I don't need your help, mom. And mom's like, oh, like the house you're living in? Is that the kind of help you don't and need? And pay rent in. Yeah. It's not like she's living for free. Yeah. They are. They, they have a transactional relationship regarding this yeah. house. If your mom is not a person who can respect that transactional relationship, get the fuck out of that house. Yeah. What mm-hmm. are you doing? Yeah. So especially if you're also trying to dodge your Myrna's old clients, move somewhere that they can't <laughs> find you. Jesus. <laughs> So, sorry. So, Heath goes to the club. The club. With, uh, this is where sports people are supposed to go. It is. Mariana Zapata. Yeah. Think think about this. This is where sports people go. This is where sports people sport after they're done sporting on fields. They sport it up at the club. That's right. Anyway. Where they're yeah. popping bottles, they're getting it done. All and right, they're they're spraying ladies with water jets. Sure. Oh yeah, this is a club that's <laughs> called Waterworks, where ladies just get sprayed with the water, so you can yep. see their boobs. Yeah. This is a club where all the sports teams go. So they mention in one sentence uh, the Sox, the Bulls, the Cubs, the Stars, which is this f- fictional football, football team, team, and the Bears. So we're living in a world where the Bears. Yeah. And the stars exist. We have two professional football teams in Chicago in this world. 
I don't know. That's crazy, right? No, it seems like a really small, like a like a too small market for football, especially when you're going up against the Bears. Yeah, and also there's there's one Blackhawk uh, wandering around. They've got sure. one hockey wandering around in this club, just in <laughs> case anyone was wondering. And the goalie for the Chicago Fire. Yeah, <laughs> so how she throws in like one hockey and one soccer yeah. roaming around. <laughs> Okay. So we meet um, Dean Robillard, who is a uh, hotshot quarterback who's playing for the Stars, and his, his agent just died. So all <laughs> of the agents in there are going after him. He just playing it cool because he can't be bothered to look like he needs anything ever. Mm-hmm. And uh, we learn that he's in marriage training. He mm-hmm. has entered marriage training. Yeah, what does that even mean? I think it means that you don't use your penis, especially in quote unquote skanky ladies. Yeah. Because, uh, so this chapter was a little, this like scene was really interesting to me because on the one hand, all of these women were described as being fairly empowered in their sexuality. Like instead of saying that they were like club bunnies or whatever, I think she uses the phrase Uh, Like, it's not powerful sexuality. It's um, predatory sexuality. Yeah. A few years ago, Heath would have enjoyed their predatory sexuality. And this is also when he goes into how sexy ladies have found him since he was almost prepubescent. That's the thing. He describes it as being a sexual assault. He's like, you know, I was molested, basically, but because I was such a sexy 13-year-old. I was like, whoa. (laughs) I don't like it. Yeah. So it's really interesting because it is fairly nuanced, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. He's not overtly downing these women, but he's also like, they're definitely not marriage material. Right. Which I think in and of itself is a fine criteria because, you know, there are people who wouldn't work with you for the long haul, right? Like Mm -hmm. for one reason or another, whether it's they slurp their soup or you met them at a club, I guess. Right, but yeah. when contrasted with all of the ideas about women in every other sense of the book, mm-hmm. it still makes me shudder. So well, I, have, I don't know. It's I have interesting. three things to say about this chapter. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell me everything. I was kind of fine with the club girls, whatever. I felt like it yeah. wasn't described that demeaning. So my first thing is this that I mentioned already, this sentence. Here... He, he just said he's in marriage training now. He reminded himself that he'd gotten where he was by sticking to a plan and being married before he hit 35 was the next step. His wife would be the ultimate symbol of his accomplishments, the oh final proof that he'd left the Bow Vista trailer park behind him forever. And I just, so the whole reason he's with this matchmaker thing is that he has this plan that he has to get married by 35 to prove that he no longer belongs in the trailer park. And I'm here to tell you guys... Everybody in the trailer park was married before they were 20. That's yeah. a sign of had done being in the trailer park yeah. is getting married ASAP. <laughs> so just put it out there. All right. So that's thing yeah. number one. Thing number two is that one of these girls comes up to him with her, uh, quote, oh, see, I read this wrong, swaying nipples, but it's that her hair is swaying and her nipples are puckered like ripe cherries beneath her slinky top. <laughs> and nope. she says... I'm taking a poll. If you could only have one kind of sex for the rest of your life, what would it be? So far, the vote's running three to one in favor of oral. First of all, what? She's doing (laughs) a poll in the club for what kind of sex could, if you only could have one kind of sex. And three to one has said oral? 
Yeah, apparently. I don't know. I just feel like that's a there. She's got there's a spurious model there. I don't know what's happening. She's <laughs> that's like weirdly skewed. I don't know anyone who would say oral to that question. And then he says, "How about I vote for heterosexual?" <laughs> and then everyone around him is like. <laughs> <laughs> what a funny joke that's just the funniest joke and i'm like was it a joke like that's just the like that's really supposed to be a big funny punchline and i do not understand it well i understood that completely mm-hmm. yeah that that's just like, a really... like some kind of like undercurrent of like no homo no 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 just the power dynamics between the predatory ladies because they're mm-hmm. Oh, and also, he describes her as um, a woman that he's fucked before. Oh, God. Yeah, you're right. A lady that I've fucked before comes up to me (laughs) before I was in marriage training camp. (laughs) And so I saw that as completely real because I see that pole as like a, you know, an attention-seeking device. Oh, yeah, for sure. But I just felt like his joke was not a joke. Like, I don't think he's funny that's that's where no. i'm trying to go with this it's not funny a no one says oral to that question and also <laughs> he's not a funny person no totally but that's i think that's the point is that he also oh, says like one laughs yeah because they're okay. trying to win his favor and also his penis got it okay right, All right. okay okay did you catch this handshakes thing mm-hmm. okay i'm glad oh, i'm yeah. not the only one all right yeah so one of these football players comes up to him He's only described as having brown eyes, so you do not know the race of this man. But then it says, two of them executed one of a dozen or so tricky handshakes Heath had had to master over the years. And I highlighted it, and I was like, is that... Is she trying to tell us they're black? Like, yeah, I think is that so. what's happening? Or am mm-hmm. I racist? Am I the racist one who, like, I'm <laughs> superimposing? But then... I got to the next page, and every time that guy talks, he ends his sentences with, know what I'm saying. Yep. And so that whole, that just squicked me out a lot. Yep. And I'm just moving on from it. That's all I'm going to say. But I was just like, (laughs) I don't like this whole like, and then I had to learn all their complicated handshakes. (laughs) Know what I'm saying? Like, oh. All right. Okay. We can move on from the club. Yeah. Okay. So... Now we know that he's in marriage training, which means that he's not dipping his wick in any of the any of the candles that are burning for him. And that was a convoluted metaphor, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> it's so late, you guys. It's so late at night. Oh, okay. oh we find out about his failed fiance relationship, oh, too. Oh, yeah. So he goes home and he pulls out an old smudged invitation. And also, how does that invitation get smudged? <laughs> because <laughs> it's like old. He's opened it so much. He's opened yeah, it so much. Yeah, but you can't smudge at it. ink that's, I mean, has he like rubbed the ink? No, like because he's, he's been like just eating pouring a blueberry over it? muffin. Oh, and, sure, And like he stuck sure. his thumb in crying. that blueberry. He's crying he's into his car. crying carbs. in his mascara has gotten all over it <laughs> like that's happened it happens no, i sometimes. hear you okay so he pulls out this old uh, old thing and um he had a fiance that only wanted to marry him because the timing was right to uh, this <laughs> i don't know no it's so stupid me. yeah so, like all of her her grandmother and her parents had all gotten married on valentine's day 20 years apart and so she wanted to marry somebody on valentine's day 20 years apart so he gets an invitation by accident. <laughs> what a crazy yeah. wedding planner. Tee-hee. To his own wedding where it says, um, please welcome, please celebrate the 
50th anniversary of so-and-so or the 40th of so-and-so the 20th of so-and-so and the marriage of us right and he flips shit which i'm like i don't think i would flip shit on that but he senses that she's only marrying him so that she can have somebody to marry on this listen date. aaron no listen listen to me right here okay yeah. okay i'm here he will not be a cog in any vagina's wheel all right. Like, no, isn't that vaginas, what he's doing? No, he's vaginas he's are supposed to be somebody by the time yes, she's thirty-five. Right. Yeah, okay, stop okay, it. Okay, vaginas right. can only be cogs <laughs> in his wheel. All right. Okay. How dare you? Well, what I was, uh, what I thought was so <laughs> weird was that he like he found this narrative from that invitation. I would have just been like, oh, are we getting married? <laughs> because I didn't even think he had proposed. Oh, is that it? I think maybe he hadn't proposed. Oh, because I was just like, well, I mean, it just worked out really well. I don't yeah, understand right? what his deal yeah. was. And he was like, I will never marry you, bitch. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, geez, that's a weird reaction. But then she did get somebody to marry her on that date. So he was right. right. He was. And it, it sounds like you shouldn't be as heartbroken as you uh, supposedly are. Yeah. If your reaction to getting a wedding invitation to your own wedding is, I don't want to marry you. <laughs> like. <laughs> you don't love her yeah and still <laughs> 10 years later he's still hung up on this well and meanwhile she apparently is exactly what he's looking for she was a high yep. class she was sophisticated she Silver was spoon, ivy league boarding school that's right and and maybe but but it sounds like she wouldn't have centered her life around him she would have expected him to center his life around her and like you know in my humble opinion, mm-hmm. doing that in either direction completely is unhealthy. However, <laughs> if that's your standard, then like, don't fault, like, hate the player. Don't hate the game. No, wait. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> it's not don't hate, hate the, player. the player and the game, HB. Just also hate that. all of it. Player, yeah, hate game, all, hate it all. whole thing. Stuff it in a box and hate it. Hate it. Okay. Stuff it in a box, not your box, and yeah. hate it. Can I just whatever? Um, I'm proud of say that. that. That we're still in chapter two. Whoopsies. Whatever. No, we're going. We're going. We're checking the <laughs> we're line. Going. Okay. So then chapter three is just. Oh no. So then they meet for drinks with Gwen. Yeah. He has said, "I'll meet your first match, and you have to stay there, and you have to get rid of her after 20 minutes." And Annabelle sees how he thinks about women, mm-hmm. and she's always challenges him directly, which I really, really like. And so she's like, hey, just FYI, she might find that incredibly demeaning, especially if she's this smart, sophisticated woman that you're supposedly looking for. And he's Mm -hmm. like, not if she's the right woman. She won't find it demeaning. She'll know that I am just so busy. God. So she shows up with this lady called Gwen. They hit it off after she gets rid of Gwen at 20 minutes. He's like, all right. So not only does Annabelle know how to take direction, I think, but also... I want you to give me her number. Yeah. And Annabelle's like, I'll try to get it for you. I'll see how Gwen liked the date. And she says, oh, Gwen, um, she likes you, but as a friend. Yeah. And he is dumbfounded. Yeah. He cannot understand how any woman would see his coiled pythonness yes. and not want him to strike her directly in the canal. It takes him so long to stand up. You <laughs> wouldn't believe how long it takes him to unwrap himself from yeah. around the chair. <laughs> okay. All right. So 
she uses this as a, a mechanism to be like, this is your your standards are ridiculous. And uh, they sign the contract where he once again references the business tome, the art of the deal. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then he thinks to himself, I want her there for all of my meetings with my matches. Yeah. Not just the ones that she sets up, but he mm-hmm. doesn't tell her this. He's going to just spring it on her. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then the entirety of chapter three is super triggering. We meet Portia Powers. Portia Powers, rival, matchmaker, lady. Yes. Yes. Um, is the worst. Let's just go through it. Let's just out with um, it. I'm just going to bullet point by bullet point. All right. First of all, she's 42, but she still claims 37. Cool. They describe her as what Snow White would look like if she was always on the South Beach diet. Okay. Uh She talks about how controlled she is, how like, you know, businesswoman she is, how she has a a quote unquote failed marriage Uh to a gay man, question mark? Or did I make that up? I think I might have made that up. I made it up. Cool. Yeah. Failed marriage to like the perfect guy. Literally all it says about how that marriage ended was that it looked great on paper and then, then it says... Portia would never forget what he'd said when he left. I'm exhausted, Portia. I'm too worried about having my dick cut off to get a good night's sleep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. All right. You yeah, know, because Portia is a ball buster. Guy. Yeah, she's a ball buster. She's a career woman. She's oh, out there. Boy. So our first scene is her weighing her assistants. Yeah, she goes back to her office and she literally has everybody come into her private bathroom, uh-huh. drop trowel. Like, and literally stripped down to their underwear, guys. Well, no, listen, Aaron. If they were smart and if they had eaten only celery that week, they could wear their clothes. Okay. But if you were worried about the way in, uh-huh. you should get down to your undies because that's not totally. Oh, God. It doesn't make me clench everything. Here's <sighs> the thing. Here's I I am talking from somebody who does have to get way in, yeah. weighed in at work, and this is super duper illegal, you guys. <laughs> This is super yeah. duper duper illegal unless you are an actress or you're in the military. So yeah. the end. Right. So one of her assistants oh, God. quits. Like, also, there's like some mild anti-Semitism in here, too. Oh, yeah. Because oh, they, yeah. they've got she's got three assistants. One of them is Asian. She gets on the scale and she's doing great, the Asian right. girl. And then the next girl is about to get on the scale and she's not doing great. And she says, oh, it's easy to be skinny if you're Asian, which already th- that's also a problem. We'll just shove that one aside. Yep. Yep. She's like, it's easy to be skinny if you're Asian. I'm Jewish. And then it was like, oh, she says this every time how she's Jewish. And then Portia in her internal monologue is like, what's the girl's name? Susu? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Is that the girl that's heavier? I think so. She said she wants to bring up how she's Jewish every week when she steps on the scale, but she had some of the best connections in town with some of the richest people. And I'm like, yep. God damn it, Susan yep. Elizabeth Phillips, that's just on you. That's that not even a character. That all of those lawyers and doctors Oof. and... <laughs> Oof. <laughs> anyway, all right. So she quits. She fucks off and never comes back. Or does she come yeah, back? Which I was, no, she never comes back. Well, and I, I was all least, about it. Well, I was hoping there would at least be like, maybe she'd go over to Annabelle's matchmaking. Oh, and yeah. Just, like, I thought that maybe there was a future for Susan. Wouldn't that be nice? Character. No. Yeah. She's done. No. No, right, she's good. too fat to have a future, Erin. <laughs> Fair. Okay. <laughs> all right. <sighs> okay. So, okay. So she's like, I think that this perfect for you place is not a threat. So I'm just going to keep trucking the way I'm trucking. Right. All right. So then. Annabelle gets into his car. 
Question mark? Yes. So what happens is Annabelle calls him and says, I need to set up a situation where I can interview you about the type of ladies that you like. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I don't have time for that. And she's like, well, you need to have time for that if you actually want to do this. And he's like, okay, well, I'm driving to a client's house. You can ride in the car with me. So he's like, be there at noon. And if you're not there at noon, I'm leaving you. So he just goes out of his office and gets in the car as if he's leaving at noon. And she has to run across many lanes of traffic and nearly die to chase his car down to get in the car. Because once again, she doesn't leave 45 minutes early. Well, no, she was there. She was there. He just didn't look for her. He just got in the car and left. she was across the street at a coffee shop. Fuck you. Yeah, that's true. He said noon. This is very speech of me. The van is leaving. (laughs) We are pulling out. I don't care if you have your skirt on or if you're just running in your pantyhose. You can put it on later. Be on the fucking van. Come on, Brooke. Be on the yeah. van, Brooke. <laughs> yes. She's not listening, but if you are, Brooke, we're talking about you and your we Aladdin are. pants. And also me freshman year. <laughs> yeah, one time I, I actually almost left my dorm. I was in such a hurry because I accidentally slept in because I didn't know how to set an alarm clock at that point. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, my roommate had to stop me and say, Melody, your skirt's not on. I had my jacket buttoned, <laughs> <laughs> but I was going to run to the van. It's just my hose. What and so I grabbed life? my skirt and I put it on in the elevator of the dorm building. Oh, my God. Yeah. Did your, t- your, did your team have the thing where you get on the bus and they'd all clap for you if you were late? No. Oh, God. That happened no, to me the very first the time, time. It was just quiet shaming. No. They'd all clap and they'd be like. <laughs> Thank you for being here. You know, like it's a sarcasm that that yeah. that Bradley sarcasm. Yeah. And, like the first time I was late freshman year, I was like, "Jokes on you, motherfuckers! I love applause. That's why I'm here. So I'm <laughs> yeah. gonna be late every time." And then I was. Well, that's the thing. My team's handled it perfectly because there is nothing worse than quiet shame. Oh yeah, there, I don't know if I would have been able to handle that. Like, but applause, I can handle me. every day, even if it's right. sarcastic. Right. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So she's not on the fucking van and I'm fine with that because she's across the street. Get your coffee early. Make your coffee at fucking home. The van's leaving I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I just think he was <laughs> such a jerk for not even like looking around to see if she's Oh, sure. There. Yeah. He's also a, a huge super dick. Mm-hmm. So she interviews him. He's very like, I, well, I want a lady. Things happen. I know you want to speed up, but she's got this frappuccino. Oh, he straight yeah. takes it from her hand and just starts drinking it. Yeah. Also, we meet, which is a dick move, you guys. Also, we meet Bodie the driver in this yes. scene who used to be a good footballer and then he, and then he got crashed injured. a motorcycle and now he's not anymore. So mm-hmm. uh, Heath hired him to drive him around and be his bodyguard. Yeah. And he's hey, sports ball people. Maybe motorcycles after you retire, huh? <laughs> yeah. Maybe. So he's got he's got a bunch of like Hawaiian tattoos. So ding, ding, ding. We have Dwayne the Rock Johnson here again in a romance novel. Oh, no, we don't. We have culturally appropriating white kid. Oh, what? Yeah. No, he's not Samoan or something? No. He's not a Pacific He just Islander? is a white guy with tribal no. tattoos. How do you know he's white? Well... I think he's described that way. Oh, no. Oh, no. I missed it. I saw the tattoos <laughs> and I just assumed. Oh, no. I hate yeah. him. I hate yeah. him. I liked him and now I hate him. Yeah. Okay, no, no. Bodhi, there's a lot to love when it comes to Bodhi. Really. Yeah. He really does see through a lot of he's the bullshit. Great. Yeah. And he talks people out of a lot of bullshit. Yeah. Bodhi is awesome. He just got some really, really ill-advised tattoos, which are, let's review, fucking permanent. Okay. <laughs> 
I really thought. Oh, <laughs> that really upsets me. Okay. Okay. If I'm wrong, feel free to shout it from the rooftops, HBs. Yeah. But I am 98% sure this guy is super white. He also comes from a really affluent background. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, they talk about what he wants. Bodhi uh, chimes in a few times and says that he doesn't date redheads. Uh, if you guys haven't noticed, Annabelle is a redhead. He also doesn't date Cubs fans, of which she is also mm-hmm. a Cubs fan. Here's where he clarifies that a career woman wouldn't work because she needs to be at his beck and call at any moment. Yeah, but she needs to have trained to be a career woman. Yes. Right. She needs to have had that aspiration all her life. And, and then, then drop it for him. for him. Yes. Yeah, he sends her back home in a cab. At some point in this area, we meet one of Myrna's old clients. Doesn't Mm -hmm. super matter, except that he's an old man who's trying to say that he's not satisfied from a contract in 1986 or something, and he wants a new wife. She keeps on being like, you were married to the... Yeah, my grandmother set you up, and you married her for 15 years. And he's like, yeah, she went crazy on me, and like, I need a new one. Yeah. I never liked her. So anyway, does he show up at her house at some point? Or there's just I like, there's so. a round of, oh no, this is when, okay, this is when the next round of um, matches is when she finds out that he has unilaterally decided that part of her service is screening and getting rid of power matches as well as hers, which again, set some fucking boundaries <laughs> yeah be like no yeah. also we i don't know if we've mentioned it but gwen the girl he said she set him up with was just a friend of hers who's married yep um she just needed like a decoy so now she's she was actually just gotta go like find an actual person to set him up with but she's right. finding trouble because you guys she's not qualified to be a matchmaker she's done none of the legwork she's just inherited right. this business so she goes and sits in with him on his second date that she set him up with with mm-hmm. a girl named Barry Doesn't matter. or something like that. She had a weird name. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. But anyway, she sits down. She's super pretty. They're she's talking. She's super pretty, but vapid. She's not vapid. See, I don't even understand where this came from because he... No, no, no. I'm sorry. I don't mean she is vapid. I mean that everyone describes her as vapid. Right. But like, yeah, like that is her one characteristic. Does? I didn't see where they got this because... no. She was like, hey, you know, here's my situation. What's your situation? They're going back and forth. And he's like, oh, I went to Harvard Law. And she's like, oh, my gosh, you went to Harvard Law. I wish I could go to one of those fancy East Coast schools, but we just couldn't afford it. Mm -hmm. And he gives Annabelle a look as in she didn't grow up rich. I don't want this. Yep. Oof. And it's like, oh, he's a peach. Yeah. And meanwhile, Annabelle's inner monologue is just like, I hope her tits are distracting enough. Oh, like that's God. all she's got going for her <laughs> and like, her tits and her silky brown hair yeah all all she said was i wish i could have gone to one of those schools uh-huh. where my parents couldn't afford it and then his next thing is your friend sure won't be bringing the cheese dip to the next mensa potluck and it's like she didn't say she wasn't smart enough to go to right. one of those schools she said she couldn't afford it which is a right. different thing yeah yeah yep well, then he, he makes her stay and he goes to the restroom or goes to take a call or something like that. Oh, goes to take a call for sure. Yes. And is like, my next match is coming. Um, Portia Powers set me up with her. You need to wait and entertain her while I'm taking this call. And then I want you to stay. And she yep. just stays. She's just yeah. like, okay, I'll stay. Which is ridiculous. Yeah, it absolutely is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when, when she sits down, mm-hmm. Annabelle tries to get up. And then he puts his hand on her thigh and sits her back down. Yeah. 
Humph. But also sexy. But also, yeah, a little supposedly. bit sexy. She yes. doesn't know whether to be offended or sexified, but she's Which mostly so sexified. much of this book. She's just like, <laughs> I don't know whether he's demeaning me or... But he is demeaning. He's but he's always demeaning, demeaning you. you. And, and, and he's always using you. Yes. And you find that sexy. All of that is okay, as mm-hmm. long as you own it. Yeah. Okay. This is the night where Bordy sees Por- Portia outside the yes. restaurant so, as well. So Portia continues her stalking. Um, because the last time we actually met Portia when she was outside of Annabelle's house slash offices. <laughs> yeah. And we forgot to mention that. So she's yeah, still sorry. stalking the competition. She's standing outside pretending to read a restaurant menu repeatedly. She supposedly keeps on walking around the block in her lewd batons and pencil skirt in order to pretend to read the menu over and over again and watch what's happening. Because she's like, I offered to be in on all of these meetings. I don't understand why this bitch is in there on my match, which like, yes. And the answer is she sets boundaries. Portia does. Mm -hmm. And she does things like, I don't know, lead a conversation if no one else is helping. Mm -hmm. And all of that is really offensive to Heath. That is Mm -hmm. like, you can be a smart lady, but like not too overpowering. Okay. Yeah. Like you need to really toe the line. Yeah. Keep it inside. Yeah. Yeah. Put like, it on your resume so that he can right. say it to people. Yeah. But keep it inside. That's right. So Bodie is like, I'm Mr. Heath's bodyguard. And should I tell him that you're doing this? And she's mm-hmm. like, no, not at all. And he blackmails her into a date. Mm-hmm. Good. Period. That's the end. Yep. Um, so then after this date, then Heath says to Annabelle, he wants to take her to dinner. So he takes her to a some Italian place. Same restaurant. And tells her eat. the whole thing about how he wants her to sit in on all of the dates, even Porsche's yeah. dates. And like he, he loves watching her eat that bird yeah, bone frame. That was rough. He loves watching her eat pasta and like lick the sauce off her lips and stuff. That was that was a <laughs> that was a tough look. But also like she's like, you don't want a matchmaker. You just want a lackey. And he's like, yep. Are you yep. in? And she's like, oh, hum, I don't know how to say no to anything. Right. So Also, he orders for her and he orders for her wine and he orders for himself a Sam Adams. I'm like, yeah, Jesus. Yeah. And oh, and he orders for her in Italian. Don't worry. Yeah. Which actually, I didn't mind the ordering for her in this case. It didn't. That was one thing that did not worry me at all. I did. Here's the thing is, I feel like the it's just desperate throughout this whole book to to show that he is both a sophisticated rich man and also uh-huh. a good old boy. Yes. Shithole Illinois man. Yes. And that it just it's like, I don't know. So the contrast of like, oh, order for I you know. an Italian, but then simultaneously you drink a brewski. Like that <laughs> is what got me about yeah. it. Not the ordering. Yeah. So they go back and forth. He's like, I don't think I've ever had this much fun in the company of a vagina <laughs> ever. <laughs> oh, this usually is where- ladies are such a fucking downer. <laughs> yeah, but I don't, I don't hate this one. Yeah, either they're having <laughs> sex with me or they're a downer. Yeah, and this is where she says, "Hey, he, the person you're looking for is like a very extraordinary woman, and extraordinary women do not go for. They only want men who put them first. Yeah. You can't even get through dinner without taking a phone call. They want a partnership. Mm-hmm. And this is where he makes up a whole story about like, do you want to know what that phone call was? That was a former client mm-hmm. of mine who wrapped his car around the telephone pole and he's not going to make it through the night. And I was comforting his mother. What do you feel about mm-hmm. that? 
and she was like, you just made that up. And he's like, yeah, I just made that up. I'm like, you're a dick, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. What an asshole. Uh-huh. Anyway, whatever. Because can I just tell you, I would have bought that hook, line, and sinker. No, oh, yeah, me too. Yeah. I would have been like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Maybe this is what Ugh. makes Annabelle such a cool girl. I don't know. Right. That she's able to see through that. But like, maybe the fact that she had the confidence to be like, you just made that up. Right. I'm like, I would never have the confidence never. to be like, even if I suspected he made it up, I would have Googled right. the shit out of that that night. You would have. You would have gone some P.I. extravaganza. Yeah. I would have called him done. on it like the next day, but not yeah. in the moment. Mm-mm. Right. Same. And actually, I wouldn't have even done that. There would have been no Googling. I would have <laughs> been like, I am I would have just berated myself quietly for it oh, and not slept. Oh, Melody. Yeah. You call me. If happened. you need a Google, you call me. I will do I it. Will. All I right. Okay. So then he goes to the stars headquarters and we meet Phoebe, the owner of the stars. I'm sure she has been a heroine yeah, in a previous a book. I think she was one of the first ones, actually. Yeah, I think so, too. She might have been the inaugural stars line character but they have a really bad relationship because he humiliated her a couple of times as he was trying to prove his grit as an agent like yeah i never would forgive him business deals with her and yeah i would he fully trumped her if he showed up at my child's birthday party or whatever i'd be like get the fuck out of here i would have made annabelle don't you show your face here again either if you're gonna bring that shit around i would be done with him what they describe he did to her i know so then they go back and forth they've got a really bad relationship Meanwhile, he's still trying to win this kid, Dean Robillard, and Mm -hmm. Robillard is taking his time finding an agent, and he's also not dumb, and so he's like, I'm not going to... I'm not going to hire the one agent who super pisses off the owner of the the team I'm working for. Right. So, like, like you're off the table. So, anyway, he's trying to make it better with uh, this lady, and then we meet some other side characters who don't super matter, but we do find out that Phoebe's having some sort of party, Mm -hmm. and... Annabelle is invited. Importantly, Annabelle, somewhere in here, asks him what his middle name is, and he loses his fucking mind. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Do you remember this? Uh Uh-huh. She's just like, what's your middle name? And he's like, I'm not going to tell you that. And she's like, well, I did some research, and I know it begins with a D. Ha, ha, ha. Like, she's just joking around. And he's like, well, that the D stands for none of your damn business. And she's like, ooh, Uh it must be really embarrassing. Uh And then he says, look, Annabelle... (laughs) Yeah, it goes from zero to freak (laughs) out. Look, Annabelle, I grew up in a trailer park, not a nice mobile home park that would have been that would have been a paradise. These heaps weren't good enough for scrap. My neighbors were addicts, thieves, people who got lost in the system. My bedroom looked out over a junkyard. I lost my mother in a car accident when I was four. My old man was a decent guy when he wasn't drunk, but that wasn't very often. I earned everything I have and I'm proud of that. I don't hide where I came from. <laughs> that dented metal sign on my office wall, the one that says Bo Vista, used to hang on a post not far from our door. I keep it as a reminder of how far I've come. <laughs> but beyond that, my business is mine and yours is doing what I tell you. Got it? And meanwhile, she's like, and I just asked you boxers or briefs. Like, that's not. Her, that's <laughs> I know, I'm I know. Like, Jesus, I realized reading How did that, that whole thing was tedious, but me reading that whole thing was tedious when I was reading it in my brain. I was just like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Like, yeah. You're a crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> you're a little unhinged. Yeah. And then I, I got to give it to Annabelle. He's uh-huh. like, don't ask me again. And she's like, is it Desbonona? <laughs> and then he walks away. 
So he goes immediately over to her house and he's like, I need an invitation to this party. And she's like, Ugh, that's not really a thing. And he's like, well, you so you hang out with Phoebe like, you know her. And she's like, yeah, like we we hang out. Not a big deal. Like, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then this is also where he meets the old guy because he's simultaneously berating her. Doesn't matter. Yeah, but he's mean to that old guy. He scares the shit out of that old guy. Yeah. And she's like, listen, he comes over and berates me. It's the only thing he looks forward to all day. It's yeah. fine. <sighs> yeah. Anyway. I mean, that was after she asked him for his aid. Kind of. She's like, this is my lawyer. Yeah. Please step in, Heath. And then he just steps in in a an aggressive, like, agent way when she just wanted him to be like, actually, I don't see any blah, blah, blah there. Right. So I didn't fault him for the way he reacted to that old guy. And I also... I don't know. Doesn't matter. Ooh, fair. Okay. Really so, doesn't matter. So he so tries he's to like, bully you're her take into inviting her to this party. He asks her to. So after she agrees, he's like, "Okay." And also, I want you to lie to Phoebe and say that you wanted. Don't tell her that I asked you to bring right. me. Tell her that you wanted to bring me because I needed to relax or whatever. And she's like, "Phoebe's not stupid. She's not going to believe that." And he's like, "If you're convincing, she will. Successful people create their own reality." Annabelle grab the ball and get in the game and it's like oh my god like that's some gross stuff there Keith. yeah it's a trumpism yeah it is um we also get some descriptions of her house that are just like real rough it's old lady chic is it old lady chic like because she's got like well it's supposed to be and like yeah, oh, I yeah, guess. that's right. She's I forgot about the Hello Kitty. She's got a little mermaid clock on her wall. I'm like... Oh, no. What? Yeah. It says the little mermaid clock on her desk ticked away. I'm like, what are you <gasps> doing? So it's... Yeah. So it's old lady chic and then every quote unquote improvement and modernization is little Manny Pixi- manic pixie dream girl. <laughs> yeah. I think her modernization like, was like little girl stuff. Yeah. Gross. Yeah, sure. Gross, Annabelle. Right. right. Okay. So he goes to this party. He finds out. Meanwhile, he doesn't ask what the party's for. He doesn't do anything like that. He's just like, you, lady who does what I say. Yeah. You take me to party. Right. And she's like, okay. And then he gets mad at her when it's a a little girl princess party. Yeah. And he fires her. He fires her. He's like, how dare you um, humiliate me like this? And meanwhile, I didn't understand why she was so... uh, acquiescent i guess because mm-hmm. she was just like i guess i did want to humiliate you and i'm like no he has set up your relationship he has all of these boundaries are his and it is i say you do mm-hmm. yeah you did that and now <sighs> he's pissed this is yeah. not your problem also this is juxtaposed so from the invite to the party at her house to the yeah. party there are two scenes in between one is oh, Bodie's yeah. date with Oh, I forgot. Powers, uh-huh. where they go to a sports bar. He's very. It's it's okay. I kind of wish these I were liked our people. It. You know, honestly, she's a yeah. terrible person. But I kind of oh, wish that, like, I don't know. They at least had like some sexual tension and stuff. And he's very they like did. calling her bluff on stuff, and it's good. Mm-hmm. Well, and and he also takes over Heath's narrative. At this point, yes. I didn't know if Heath was lying or if Bodie was lying. Me neither, and I still don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Bodie tells her that he's the one who grew up in the trailer park and all the things. His that window happened. looked over the junkyard, whatever. Right. 
So I'm either one of them is lying um, yeah. or they're like brothers. Sure. I'm not sure. They play sand volleyball, which is something that Portia can't wrap her brain around, which I really liked. Yeah, actually. I liked it. She gets all dirty and stuff. Yeah. He takes yeah. her out of her comfort zone and he's like, I'm, I love dominating strong women, but mm-hmm. only in bed. And I'm like, Bodhi, yeah. stop speaking my language. Get it, Bodhi. Oh, yeah. Oh my God. Bodhi sees through the bullshit. I really, yeah. I really liked the scene and I like their, I like their other scenes too. Uh huh. I do wish that her arc hadn't been like, she's a career woman who's and what she just yeah. needs is a good dickin and now she's fine. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I felt like the whole thing was she's severe and terrible, but now that a man yeah. has come in and rocked her world, you know? So I, I especially didn't like that in this particular case just because Portia's character has internalized every morsel of misogyny she's ever mm-hmm. been fed and yep. she turns it into a weapon against other women. Right. Yep. And so the fact that there is a male savior mm-hmm. especially yeah. bothers me. Yeah. Because I just But that yeah. said, the scenes were the best part of this book for me. And it also makes sense for Portia, a person who has internalized every morsel of misogyny she's <laughs> right. ever been fed. Yeah, that's probably the only way she's going <laughs> right. to be cured. So, yeah. Um, it okay. certainly won't be another woman that helps her. No, never. <laughs> How dare you? So then the other thing that happens before the party is that she bumps into her ex. Oh, fuck. Oh, God. Okay, so throughout this whole thing, we have been getting crumbs of this old relationship that she has had in the first conversation she has with her mom her mom's like you failed at everything you've done i mean even even your relationship with rob has been blah 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 Mm -hmm. and then we're fed other little details about how this relationship went wrong and she was betrayed and like but you don't know how and then she's at a coffee shop and uh, a woman called rosemary comes in Mm -hmm. and they talk and Rosemary's voice is described as sort of deep mm-hmm. and all of that's fine. But I actually, she's also described as being beautiful. Yes, 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 yes. And I didn't mind this at all. I, yeah. I actually thought this was one of the only scenes where Annabelle was awesome because she was very cordial. Mm-hmm. They, she, uh, Rosemary sat down and they spoke. She referred to Rosemary as a woman in both her inner monologue and verbally mm-hmm. she and then she set some really healthy boundaries rosemary mm-hmm. was like i miss you and i want to be your friend and annabelle was like that's not possible especially right now mm-hmm. and i think all of those things are perfectly perfectly fine it really is sort of everyone else and then there's a scene at the end of the book or like near the end of the book that we can't talk about now, but that I'm just like, Ugh. okay, like that's a weird thing to be triggered by. But because everyone really set me up for this book is very transphobic and yeah. puts like trans as a punchline and stuff. Yeah. And I don't think this scene, it's not, there's some parts of it that are not good. I'm not saying there's, this is a great look, right? but it's not bad and it's definitely not, 
as bad as I thought that this was going to be going in because people warned me. So I thought what was going to happen was like, oh, there's a kooky neighbor, kind of like <laughs> kind of like the drunk guy under the car. I thought yes. there was going to be a trans person in this book that got the treatment of the drunk guy under the car of like, right. oh, check out this kooky neighbor that is a man in a dress. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, that's what I thought that they were going to do. But right. really, I thought the way that it was described of how Rob told her and how she then explained it to her mom and the pronouns that were used, I felt like it was pretty much treated with care, except when she's talking about the quote unquote ick factor of having sex mm-hmm. with somebody who she now knows at the time, uh, you know, was a woman or was uh, yeah. like having these so, thoughts. So, so it's interesting because on the one hand, I thought it was a perfectly reasonable representation of a person who is in a long-term relationship right. with someone they have they have been presented as a certain thing then all of a sudden sort of letting them in on a a deep inner struggle mm-hmm. and and having that change their identity right the problem that I had with this and again published in 2005 mm-hmm. so I'm trying to give it a little bit more leeway the issue that I had with it is terms like ick factor right because in her mind gender and sexuality are sort of the same thing but it and that says that Rob at the time explained to her that gender and sexuality are different yes but she couldn't wrap her brain around it right 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 so- I, I feel like we shouldn't fault the author so much because I feel like it's the character, like the author is it, writing absolutely. a character and what her uh, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. reaction so, was. So it's it's interesting because it it's a fairly nuanced parsing when you're only looking at the character and her ex. Mm-hmm. It's really everybody else because there are characters who are like i just can't believe what he did to her and you know all that sort of thing as if it was about her like there there are conversations later on that are really problematic yet then yeah because this didn't seem and and it starts out she tells she talks about what her she says to her mom when she tells her mom what happened and she says her mom's like oh Rob's great or whatever and she's like well because they said she says something like you compliment each other so perfectly and Annabelle's response is well it turns out we compliment each other a little bit too perfectly get ready to laugh uh it turns out Rob is a man or is a a woman trapped in a man's body right and I think a lot of people I don't know I'm assuming that a lot of people were offended by that get ready to laugh sure 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 sure. like that was the punchline that everybody was talking about but i don't know it's not okay because i don't think she meant it in that way i think she meant Mm -hmm. get ready to laugh i have four failed businesses and blah blah this is my life you know like of course this is what happens to me with my long-term relationship i think that's what she meant later on there's a lot of there's a lot of foiling between rob and heath because he'll be like, well, you don't have to worry about ladies' panties with me, yes. basically. Okay. And that is what fucking makes me livid. Okay. Because that was the next thing I was going to say is, yeah, this scene doesn't upset me, but it upsets me that this scene happens, her in the coffee shop with Rosemary happens right before Keith goes to the party yeah. and freaks the fuck out that he's at a little girl's princess party yep. and fires her and loses his shit. Because his masculinity is so fragile. Yep. And that is the guy we're supposed to root for. Yep. (laughs) Not her ex, who I think Mm -hmm. handled this in in the most appropriate way she could. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. 
I feel like there's a lot Absolutely. to be rem- admired about Rosemary, and there's a lot to hate about Heath in uh-huh. this little uh, 20 pages or so. And that I didn't yeah, like. Yeah, and yet the wrong one, in my opinion, yeah, is you're the supposed one we're to supposed to be for rooting Heath, for. And you're supposed yeah. to be like, what a man. It's like, yeah, oof. and you're supposed to be like, what a what a terrible person for doing that to Annabelle when it right. had nothing, nothing to, to do, do with, with Annabelle. Annabelle. Okay, so... He freaks out at this party. He tries to make the most of it. By the end of the party, he's like, wow, this didn't go as badly for me as I thought it would. So I guess I'm going to forgive Annabelle, rehire her, Mm -hmm. and use her some more. Well, because at the end of the princess party, Mm -hmm. they find out that there's also like this lake retreat that everybody's Uh going to over a three-day period. He finds out that she's also part of a book club that involves a retreat. Yes. And so he's like, oh, no, I've already fired her. I want to go on this retreat to get even closer to Phoebe. So then he rehires her. Granted, that's what Annabelle thinks. What really happens is that he does want to rehire her and continue her services. And then he finds out about the retreat. She comes out in a fairy princess dress and she looks very pretty. And yes, he's very and, enamored and with her in so that moment. she's so good with the kids, too. Like, he gives a shit. He's terrible like, yeah, with kids. He accidentally gives three phones <laughs> to a little girl who likes phones. <laughs> Who likes and, to and steal phones and destroy them. them. I love yeah. it. I love it. And he keeps on being like, she's a phone bandit. And I'm like, no, you're an idiot. No, yeah, you're you're a big old dummy. Yeah. Don't give Stop your phone to a phones. three-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> or keep your eyeballs on her. So many characters in this book like just don't have the power of sight when they Wasn't supposedly a few do. chapters ago that he shamed her because she went to the beach with that football player or whatever and like lost yeah, her so- phones. And he, like, totally shamed her for, like, losing and not having her phones on. No, he's always shaming her about turning off her phone because how can clients yeah. contact you? Listen, and buddy, I'm like, you just she handed knows all they your are. phones to a three-year-old who then yeah. dropped them in a birdbath, probably. Yeah. Dummy. Oh, yeah. So another side plot is that Dean Robillard has met Annabelle. He has... Uh, identified her as a cool chick and he's using her as a public beard yeah so that he can go places without women approaching him which is actually kind of nice they have a cute little friendship they do okay so then they go on this retreat and he picks her up they go on a private jet he makes phone calls the whole time like none of there are no moments where either of these characters seem to capitalize on proximity or like each other, I just don't or think they like, like each, each other. other. Um, yeah, they they think the other is sexy. At least Annabelle thinks he's sexy, and he finds her to be sort of a breath of fresh air sometimes. He sometimes, but thinks not about in a sex sexy way. Like when she's licking pasta yeah. sauce, or like when right she's in her fairy costume. Mm-hmm. So I think... But we didn't get to talk about any sex. Should we say that Portia and Bodhi had very good sex? Did, we, did that already happen? Yeah, that already happened. <gasps> oh, okay, yeah. So Bodhi just shows up. Yeah, the one thing that we haven't talked about is that Portia and Bodhi are like hitting it off again. Mm-hmm. After their date, they don't talk to each other for a while. Bodhi doesn't call or anything. Mm-mm. And Portia's a little worried about it. She but told him not July, to, and yet she's pretty worried about it. She's like, I'm yeah, exactly. never going to see you again. You're the most yeah. horrible man I've ever met. And then she's right. like, why isn't he calling? I know. So she's at her house on the 4th of July. And all of a sudden, the doorman calls up and he's like, there's a man with 
inappropriate tribal tattoos here to see you. It's really giant. (laughs) And so she opens the door silently. He walks in silently. I loved this. Mm -hmm. They don't say a fucking word to each other. No. He goes out on her balcony. She grabs um, champagne and two flutes because... Really, she does it because she wants to, like, kind of humiliate him. Yeah. She's like, this is going to look ridiculous in his big man paws. Yeah, she's like, I know he'd prefer a beer, but he's going to have to drink this because he ordered for me at the sports bar and made me the french fries. Fuck him. How dare he? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then he handles both the bottle and the glass with such delicacy and Mm -hmm. care silently. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh. And then she's standing against the railing of the balcony and... uh, they look at each other and she thinks he's going to kiss her. They haven't kissed. Mm-mm. She thinks he's going to kiss her and he doesn't. He takes, he takes his her thumb. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Takes Go. a thumb and he smears it across her lips and he makes her lipstick smear onto her cheeks. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And then he grabs her glass and he puts both of their drinks down, comes up behind her. Oh, he turns off the light inside. And then he comes up behind her and skims his hands up her thighs so that he raises yeah. her skirt. Mm-hmm. She's standing against the balcony. May I read please. a line that confused me? Yeah, please do, please. She didn't try to get away, didn't move. He needed her bottom through her tap pants. He ran his thumbs down the crack, then up, then down, then up again, taking his time. Is he just taking his two? thumbs and running them up and down her ass crack over and (laughs) over again no i say nay i I imagine that he's got both of his bear paws Uh like one one palm on a butt cheek one palm on the other butt cheek facing each other no he no she's facing away she is okay okay yeah all right she's facing away he's up behind her and then he's like, he's doing one of these jobbers. I just, I just object to the word crack being used. I hear you. I just feel like up and down the crack is a little rough. All right. I hear continue you. Continue on. Everything else was great. You know, was it though? I think it was fine. It was fine. The orgasm I- was weird. She soared with the comets, bloomed with the willows, exploded with the rockets. And in the end, she tumbled to the earth in a shower of sparks. That was a little weird for an orgasm. Well, they're watching a fireworks display. Yeah, but she's doing these, yes, but like she, she that's so her like, orgasm description. Right, 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 right. So yeah. all of the, those are types of fireworks. Yes, you know I that, understand. right? A willow yeah, and a I comet. It, okay, like, okay, okay, okay. That's still a weird. He, oh, yeah, I mean, no, I was fine with that. What I'm, uh, here's the thing. <laughs> Overall with this book, uh, here's another bias Okay, uh-huh. here's another bias. Uh-huh. He comes into her house, like, and this is all hot, right? Mm-hmm. You haven't gotten to the other sex. Mm-mm. I'm sorry. It would have been fine if there was another kind of sex later on. But all of the sex in this book is man come up to woman, <laughs> put on condom, put penis in appropriate hole. Oh. That's it. And like... I don't understand why there wasn't a little bit of fingering beforehand, a little bit more neck smooching, maybe. Maybe he would get down on his knees behind her and eat her out from behind. Any of those things would have been awesome because in this book, the vagina is supposed to be capable of such wonder. Like all of these women go from zero 
to being <laughs> impaled without any kind of prep. And I, I don't know. Like, in this case, it was hot because it was, A, I really like Bodhi. Mm-hmm. And B, there was this factor of, like, you know, there was, like, kind the of a public thing. And the, yeah. It was silence. Mm-hmm. She was, like, if anybody looks out their window, it's going to look like he's, like, you know, sort of snuggling up behind me. Mm-hmm. And... You know, so there was like the public, mm-hmm. the yeah. public sex factor that could be hot, that could get you a little wet, but everything is just heterosexual sex equals penis penetration, period, roll over, go to sleep kind of situation. And uh, I just wish we had gotten a little bit more variety. Yeah. I guess. Okay. Well, I only this, read this. In this scene, so it was hot. I'll let you yeah. know next time. Yeah. Let me know. All right. Guys, sorry we were so tired. I feel like this was a lame one. Were we lame? I'm not tired. I'm tired. This is me. This maybe is me just maybe it me. seems like this, this is me. Just so I guess me. I'm boring, Erin. This is what you get. No, maybe <laughs> I just feel tired, so I felt boring. We're sorry if we were boring. We're usually much less boring. I'm sorry if I was a harpy. Were you a harpy? Everyone. I might have been a harpy. I Why feel a little that? negative. I don't like... I mean, a lot of times I think that the, the listener... We get feedback that our hate episodes are the funniest. But a lot of times when we record the hate episodes, I just feel like a terrible person. Yeah. Because I'm just, just so negative. angry the yeah, whole time. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I don't know if we were funny, negative, or just negative. Yeah, later on when I edit, I laugh a lot. Just just edit in some laughs. Are you ready? I'm going to do some laughs for you to edit in. Okay, okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> good, funny. good, good. I can All work right. with that. Okay, good. Yeah, <laughs> good. All right, Erin, do you have a lady love? I do. I forgot. I forgot to say this last time. I found you know you know when you're googling around on the podcast for a podcast that you're looking for and you're trying to find uh-huh. the podcast that you want to listen to and you can't find it. That was part of the reason why we started this podcast was that I was googling around trying to find like two friends talking about romance books and I couldn't find it. All yeah. I could find was author interviews. I've looked far and wide, up and down, across these podcast waves for a good like uh like wiccan or like pagan some kind of like some kind of witchy podcast that's just a couple of ladies sitting around talking about being witches that's what i wanted Mm. don't have any witch friends just wanted just wanted like somebody to be like hey guys what'd you do for yule that's all i want i just want a couple of friends so that i can feel like i'm their friends being like What'd you guys, what'd you guys do for the, you know, pagan holidays? That's all I want. Yeah. And I found it. And it's an HB and it's the Holistic Tarot Agency. And they, uh-huh. is, did I say it right? Is that what it is? It's so yeah, late, it you is. guys. Okay. But they just sit around, they talk about tarot, but they also sit around and they talk about like, hey, what, what'd you do for solstice? How's your witchy stuff? And, and man, Whoa. it just makes me, it just makes my pagan heart sore and it makes me so I happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you're Yay. at all in tarot, get on that podcast, Holistic Tarot Agencies, because it's just it's just friends talking about witch stuff. Well, and if you're if you're having any kind of thing, send in a oh, question. Yeah, you can also submit a question to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And they'll they'll do part of the episode around it, and they'll like read your tarot cards. Mm-hmm. So yeah, send in, be a participant. They're serious about tarot, like we're serious about romance novels. That's right. They love tarot, but like it's mostly giggles. Yes. Yes. I love it. Yep. Excellent. I have two lady loves this time. One is set some boundaries and be firm. That's that's all. <laughs> is that what this book brought you to? 
Yeah, yeah, that and like conversations I've been having with uh, several people in my mm, life is pregnancy, like pregnancy, holidays. Uh, yeah, like all. Well, no, no, uh, uh, not even for me. I've mostly been reflecting on the boundaries I have set in the past, and like you guys, Melody's those. great at boundaries, like really good. <laughs> Like, the, a little yeah. too good. A little bit like, whoa, that was a hard line. <laughs> I am. I am. Because for so long, I was not that way. Yeah. And my life was horrendous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I did some I did some counseling of some friends who uh, approached me. And I also was feeling, I was feeling a little bit insecure about some boundaries that I set before. Wondering, like, I was feeling a little bad about them. Mm-hmm. And so I revisited some old emails that like were part of the conversation where I realized I had to set those boundaries. Mm-hmm. And I was perfectly legitimate in my decisions at that point. And I now firmly stand by them again. <laughs> You're all like <laughs> riled up again. <laughs> no, no, I'm just like, no, I have a problem with second guessing myself, uh-huh. especially when it involves not pleasing another person, because mm-hmm. I am a natural people pleaser. So, mm-hmm. so being a boundary setter has been incredibly hard for me to master. Yep, and I have to bolster myself up again every mm-hmm. once in a while. Yeah, I which hear is that. one of the reasons I, I a lot of times I require people to have discussions in writing, mm-hmm. um, because I don't have a great memory, and so I'll say a. One of my biggest kicks lately is, um, or for the past several years, has been productive communication. I've talked about it on the podcast already mm-hmm, a little bit, mm-hmm. but I'm just like, if I feel like a conversation is becoming too heated on either end, I will stop it immediately and I'll say, why don't you get your thoughts together and email me and then we can we can continue this conversation later. Partially because I think that cooler heads should prevail in any conflict, but also because I need to be able to have a reference point three years down the line when a person might be using the same bad communication patterns and I need to remember why I set certain boundaries. <laughs> so, um, so Gmail is the best because I can search that shit. <laughs> and so yeah, set some boundaries and don't feel bad about it. Yeah, It might not please somebody in the short term, but it's much, much better than getting to the point where you have to cut someone out of your life entirely. Yeah. If you nip that nonsense in the bud and you stand firm in your needs, your personal relationships will be, will have a lot more longevity and they'll be a lot more fulfilling. And then my other one is these aromatherapy fucking booties. <laughs> <laughs> they are hot or they are cold, whatever you want them to be. Oh, God damn it. I don't have... I think they're like nature's healing or something like that. But Nature's healing? Herbal, I don't remember what the brand is. Aromatherapy booties? That's, yeah. that's the most melody thing I've ever heard in my you life. You can put them in the freezer if you want to, or you can put them in the microwave. Here's what they I want to know. amazing. Yeah. Are the reindeer... Is the reindeer onesie already footy pajamas? No. Okay. No, they're not. All mm-hmm. right. Good to know. I needed to know if it was over the footies <laughs> to know whether no, I could see, get behind it. I have a really long torso, so I can't wear anything footed because even if the legs fit, mm-hmm. the torso will not. Or I'll I'll just get like, you know, crazy, crazy crotch wedgies and it's never a good, never a good thing. No, 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 no. <laughs> but that could really spice up this episode if we want to go deep into the crotch wedgies. <laughs> Do you have to run your thumbs up and down, up and down, up and down? Oh, God. 
to get that wedgie out. Let me just, I will say that the one good thing about any crotch wedgie is that no coiled python can get through that. (laughs) So, so yeah, those are my two lady loves. Okay, well, you can find us at Heaving Bosoms Podcast on Facebook and the Heaving Bosoms Podcast Geriatric Friendship Cult on Facebook and heaving underscore bosoms on Twitter and at heaving bosoms on Instagram and heaving bosoms podcast at gmail.com. Yes. Those are the places. Wow. That's, That's where you amazing, can do it. Aaron. Yep. Also, please go find us there because we really like interacting with you. Yeah. And you can also, we have a Patreon with bonus content. If you want to hear more tinglers, yeah. if you want to hear how our Thanksgivings were, if you want right. to hear additional christmas stories from how the duke stole christmas or if you want to hear um our thoughts on other romantic comedies yeah sometimes we do movies yeah we're gonna do more of that we're gonna do a couple movies we're gonna do um the 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 netflix ones we're gonna do the new netflix holiday movies. yeah we are yep holiday calendar yeah. bitches that's gonna be up on patreon yeah and yeah that's patreon.com slash heaving bosoms or you can get there on our website which is heaving bosoms podcast.com yes Aaron, I adore you, and I think that you should keep being a badass. And love yourself Uh as much as you love Uh a steak in your vagina. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah? There's a snake in me! (laughs) Melody, oh my god. Annabelle wants a snake in her. Stop telling us about your kundalini. We've heard too much about that kundalini of yours. It's got a snake coiled up in it that has to be released. Got it. Got it. All (sighs) the time. All right. right. I love you. Love you too. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Hey, you. Yes, listener, you. Are you loving the show? If so, please leave a rating and review in your podcast app. The 90 seconds you take to say something nice not only helps new people find the show, but it makes me super smile over at HBHQ. Also, I've had a few people ask, and the answer is yes, we are still doing the five-star bribe. If you leave us a review with five stars, then we'll do whatever book you want. We're real, real deep into the list, though, so it might be a while. Ah, Lilas! Okay, back to the show.